Hello everybody, hello, how are you doing? This is S. Anthony Thomas, host of the S. Anthony Says podcast, also known as S. Anthony Says. Thank you for stopping by and listening to me. This is episode number 163. That's right, my friends, 163 episodes, and I'm going to keep on going, and that's right. I want to thank you guys for stopping by. I appreciate you if you're one of my longtime listeners. If you're a new listener, I appreciate you too. Make sure you become a longtime listener, and much like the longtime listeners who recommended you to come to listen to me, I need you to recommend some other people to come back to listen to this crap because it's the greatest crap of all time. Yeah, that's right. I said it. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by, my friends. Ready to do this thing? Of course you are. So am I. Episode number 163 starts right now. You are about to listen to the S. Anthony Says Podcast starring S. Anthony Thomas. You lucky bastards. All right. This is S. Anthony. Glad you came back. Ready for the next one? All right. Here we go. Go. S. S. Anthony Thomas. Go. S. All right, my friends. Uh, I got to ask you a question. And uh, I mean, maybe I don't know whether it's a question or a statement. I, I don't know. I mean, the thought I'm having is. This is what I want to say. I'll, just, I'll, I'll put it this way. You don't taste as good to someone as you used to. Did you know that? You know, unless you're in a happy, if you're in a happy relationship, you're still a delicacy to the person or a wonderful meal that they love. Maybe your comfort food for someone who loves having you around. But if you've ever, if you, unless you're dating, unless you're married to and happily married to and deliriously happily married to the first person you've ever been romantically involved with, someone found that you don't taste good anymore. And I'll explain what I mean. It's not as dirty as you think, you sick bastards. Like I said, you're a delicacy in the beginning. As that, as that part was, you find someone ridiculously attractive and you can't get enough of them. And in this instance, I'm going to talk about something that happened to me where I found someone so overwhelmingly attractive that it was like, holy crap. It was, you know, if, if someone is absolutely perfect for you, let's say for the sake of argument on a scale of one to 100, there are 100. Well, there's no such thing as someone that's perfect for you. Most of us are happy getting a 75 on that score because someone who's 75% perfect for you is astoundingly perfect for you. There may only be a C in college or a C in high school, but in romance, it's a 75% perfect for you is astounding. If you hit 75% in baseball, you're going into the Hall of Fame and you're making $50 million a year. And that's what I'm talking about at 75%. But I met a lady who, from what I could see from the little bit of time that I was around her, first of all, I found her ridiculously attractive physically, but to me, from what I could see in the these little moments that I would get to spend with her, these golden moments that I got to spend with her saying hello and little things during the course of a business day where I'd have to run across her on a regular basis. She was in the 95 range. Now, imagine the dream is to, to me for most people is to find someone who's 75 percent perfect for you. Most of you are never going to find somebody 75 percent perfect for you. I think happily happy marriages are if someone's 50 percent perfect for me, for you. 75 percent is the is the ideal with this person this lady seemed to be in the 95 percent range and i started to think maybe this is too good to be true maybe 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 i need to investigate this woman because with my theory being what it is the simple fact that a 95 exists i didn't think someone 95 percent perfect for me could actually exist in the real world i have got to investigate this and you've been there where you found someone so awesome but usually there's something wrong there. There's a reason, you know, something is telling you there's something wrong there. So I try to investigate this lady. And it's, it's and like I said, she seems to be nice. She's smart. She's this. She's that. She's ever, just awesome. And I, 
you ever just been so attracted to someone not just physically but just as a human being where when you look forward to just being around them it could be a, a, a heterosexual attraction where you find somebody who's just a cool dude man and you look forward to hanging out with that dude oh man it's my boy we're gonna hang out we're gonna talk about the game and this that the UFC fights we're gonna talk about this that we, we agree on politics most things but he learned he learned something from me I learned something from him this is gonna be great you look forward to it but in this case, obviously, it was more of a romantic thing. So it was great, man. I look forward to going to see this lady. I look forward to those moments where I got to spend with her. It was only three or four minutes at a time. But there was, sometimes those were the best three or four minutes of my day. Sometime when my, my whole week would suck. You know what I'm saying? And then you go, I'm going to get to see her today. And I, I didn't even step to her like I was trying to be romantic. I just enjoyed being near her. And this time I thought, you know what? I've got to investigate this woman. I've got to. She's a 95 on the compatibility scale with me. I've got to find out what the hell is going on here. I got to, got to, got to, got to. So as it turns out, during the course of my business, as I was doing my thing, it got to the point where we became a part of a larger circle of friends. A circle of trust and I got to the point where I you know you sometimes you 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 know someone and then all of a sudden something happens where you wind up at their house and you didn't expect it to happen well in this case I had to get a box of something and take it to her house because they knew I knew her and she knew me and we trusted each other uh, because she did she uh, she knew me well enough and long enough to know I wasn't some kind of serial murderer or whatever and they go, could you take this over to who who's house and I go yeah I'll take it over there and I'm thinking this is gonna be great I, she was just awesome, 95% compatible with me so far person. And this is my first chance to actually get an opportunity to just talk to her and spend some time with her in, you know, in a, in a comfortable place without some work crap around and somebody walking in and somebody, hey, yes, we need you to come over here and do none of that. This was just going to be me and her talking and no distractions. It's going to be great. So I get the box and I go over there and I knock on the door and she opens the door and now she's sitting, she's there and I walk in and I'm going, she's even more awesome in, in the home than she is at the office when she's not wearing her office crap and this is the greatest. And she's smiling and she asked me to come in and I hear voices upstairs and I'm going, what the hell is this? And I said, oh, I said, well, I mean, you know, I mean, even though she kind of trusts me, it's not like, I mean, I'm still a dude that she doesn't really, really know. And maybe she has some girlfriends over, you know, I mean, not that she's make there's an indictment on me as a person, but every human being has the right to protect themselves in any given situation. No big deal. In fact, this may be give me an opportunity to see what kind of friend she has. And also this would be give me an opportunity to charm her friends and charm her. Not doing anything phony, just being my regular self. That way, we'll find out what's going on. So I walk up the steps, and there's a bunch of ladies in really expensive clothing and humongous hats. And I'm going, I'm not saying anything. Hopefully, I, I don't know what's going on here. And as it turns out, it was a group of people from her church. Not a big deal. It's a Wednesday. And in my mind, church is kind of a Sunday thing. But it's Wednesday. No problem. We'll see what's going on here. And they're going through the whole routine. And, uh, and, and, and wonderful, you know, that obviously, you know, trying to get me to go to the church and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to say, well, you know, I kind of got my own thing going. But I appreciate it. I'll consider it. I'll, I'll, give, it a, I'll give it a thought. Maybe you can come with who? who uh, I'll think about it. Okay. So we go into the kitchen and I give her the box of whatever that crap was. And we're talking. And everything out of her mouth was church this, church that. And I'm okay with it because this is the day when everyone here is here for church. Maybe that's on our mind right now. Not a problem. As it turns out, we didn't really get to have a really real conversation. But I got to find out that she's as, she was even more charming than, than I thought she was. And now she's 96.5% compatible with me. And I'm happy that I got there and I walk out. And as it turns out, lucky for me, because I successfully got the box of crap to her house all of a sudden it became my job to drop crap off at her house not a problem i'm not going to complain about spending more time with this beautiful sister who's 96 and a half percent compatible with me so i come back over the next day it's now thursday another box of crap paperwork and all of that i drop it off i walk in the house with her this time she feels so comfortable with me she opens the door because come on in and i walk up behind her yes i looked at her delicious buttocks 
and it was delicious looking. And we walk up the steps, and there's more ladies with expensive clothes and gigantic hats. And it's not the same ladies. It's different ladies with different big hats and expensive clothing on. And she's got another church group there. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? Not a big deal. Maybe they're setting something up. Maybe there's a big event coming, and they're planning it. I don't. It doesn't matter. Not a problem. Church people are cool. We go in the kitchen. We never really get an opportunity to talk about anything. She's talking about church, 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 church. Not a problem problem she's in church mode i come back friday same thing saturday same thing and the next week the same thing and i realized no she's not having a church group over because she's trying to plan a big event in the future she has church people over all the time there's almost no time when there's not a group of people in our house with expensive clothes and big hats or dudes with suits that look like they got them from the Steve Harvey collection. And they're always there. And everything, as soon as she leaves work, it's all church stuff. Not a problem. But that's not me. I'm okay if you go to church. That's cool. That's your thing. But if you looked at a pie chart of this lovely young lady's life, it was a big pie chart church and every like say church was green and anything that wasn't church was red the pie chart would be so green and the little bit of red would be so small you wouldn't be able to see the sliver of red until you put your eye right on the pie chart now like i said i have nothing against people that go to church i don't have anything against that at all like i said i'm not a really religious guy i'm the kind of person that any kind of religious stuff that i may or may not feel i confirm or deny nothing i keep it to myself it's none of anyone else's business i've had people try to go hey, what do you think of this what about that i'm going guys i like to keep my personal beliefs to me i will share with you what with you what i want to share with you but don't i'm not going to sit here with a with a light in my face that you rattle questions off of me trying to you know discern what my feelings are do i treat you with love and respect yes am i honest yes that's all you need to know so let's move on so i don't like to have those conversations i don't like to have things pressed upon me and i knew if i was with this amazing human being as awesome as she was as smart as she was as cute as she was and delicious products as awesome as she was i knew that that's what my life would be and i don't like that so all of a sudden the 96 percent compatibility went right back down to 30 percent. still gorgeous still awesome Still love spending time with her. Still love to talk with her when I ran across her. Still love to hang out with her at, at wherever we were at the, at the time. But I knew she could never be somebody I'd have a relationship with. I knew it. Couldn't happen. See, comedy is my life. And this podcast has become a huge part of my life. I love this doing comedy. I love doing this podcast. Mostly because of you guys. And my, my incredible amount of genius. <laughs> Shut up. I love it. But this podcast and comedy combined could never take over more than a half to three quarters of my life chart. It couldn't. I always got to keep at least a third for me. Always a third for me. If I'm in a relationship, that woman's going to get a third. I'm going to get a third. And my entertainment crap's going to get a third. If I'm blessed with children, me and the, the girl and I, the woman and I, we're going to have half, we're going to have three quarters of that chart is going to be us as a combination. The three of us, me, the, the woman, and the children, we're going to be three quarters of that chart, and and uh, 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 maybe two thirds, yeah, three quarters of the chart, and maybe a quarter will be left for the for the comedy stuff and all of that. Now a quarter is still a lot. That's a lot, but that's enough to get done what I need to get done and have the career going. But I could never have one thing take over my whole chart. I couldn't do it, and I can't be with someone who does do it, <laughs> right? You know, you ever been in a relationship where you realize you're number two to something else? How could you do that? If you're dating me, you're number, oh, well, not that. If you're dating me, we're in a serious relationship where you're my wife, you're first after me. You're first after me. And everything else is after that. I can't be number two to somebody else. I can't do it. So back to what I was saying. This person was a was a wonderful meal, a five course meal, ninety six and a half percent compatibility with me. I thought, but upon reflection, upon gathering more information, oh no, no, back down to thirty percent. This is a person that was a, a, a five course, five star meal, five star meal cooked by Gordon Ramsay in my house. That's what she was to me. 
But now she's just kind of, she's just grapes now. Still sweet and delicious, but just I need a little bit of her. And you've been that for somebody else. Somebody just thought you were the hottest thing in the world, the greatest thing in the world. And you could tell they thought of you as a freaking delicacy. You were a five-star meal cooked by Wolfgang Puck in their house. And they found out a little bit of something about you. They found that they weren't as compatible with you as they thought. And you're not a five-course meal, any- a five-star meal anymore. You're grapes. You're a Snickers bar. You still taste good. You're still yummy. But you're not as delicious as you were before they find out that about you. You don't taste good to them anymore like that. You don't taste as good anymore to that person. They still like you. They still like to have a little bit of you. They take a little bit. Of they still want a little munch of you. But you don't taste as good as you did before they found out that stuff about you. <laughs> that's just the way it is. You know? And that's what I found out about that lady, man. I mean, she was just awesome. And I was like, more delicious to the five star. Thank you, Gordon Ramsay. Oh, we're going to have your entire life is going to be built around something that you think is so personal that you don't want to share with anyone else. And you definitely don't want anyone trying to force their beliefs on you. And this is something that you would have to deal with every day forever. Oh, no. And she'd be okay with it and be part of it. Oh, no. No. Yeah, 96, 95, 90, 70, 30%. <laughs> you don't taste as good as you, as you, as, as, to that person as you used to. She doesn't taste, she didn't taste as good as me as she used to. She was a five star meal. Her time with her and the potential of a relationship with her going forward, five star meal. And now it's just grapes. Still digging, spending time with her. The short amount of time we get to talk to each other. Still look forward to seeing her, and talking to her. It's just grapes now. <laughs> it's it's weird how that works, right? It's weird how that works because if you really think about, it, dig this. Say you're going to a supermarket. You ever see those those sales at the supermarket when you know it's if you if you had any sales training you know it's a loss leader trying to get you into the store. If you buy seven packs of Pepsi for three dollars, you go, oh man, I'm gonna get that Pepsi, yeah. And you go into the store, and the whole trick behind it is to have you as a large number of people to come into the store, see the Pepsi, purchase a Pepsi, and while you're there, go, you know, since I'm already here. I might as well just do a little shopping. I mean, why go to another supermarket? I'm already in here. Now, I'm someone that has had sales training. So I know a loss leader immediately. And I'm the worst kind of customer for that kind of thing. Because I'll show up, buy the damn sodas, put them in the trunk of of the mighty Toyota Camry, and go home with it. I'm like, I don't want anything from that store. I don't don't go into that store for a reason. Because I don't like anything there. But you got that six pack of whatever the product is or some large quantity or something for some ridiculously low price. And I want that. Don't want the rest of that crap. I want that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the loss leader is basically a product that they put out there and it's not designed to specifically de- to generate profit itself. You know, they're either going to break even on it or lose money selling that specific product but the goal is to get you into the store now in the case of this lady that i was talking about she didn't put a product up it wasn't like a sale where they're specifically creating a loss leader type product to get you in but her coolness the compatibility the physical attraction the emotional attraction to her was like the loss leader it was the thing that got me in it's like when you fall in love with the wrong person or someone puts up a fake personality to make you fall in love with them it's a loss leader it doesn't matter she knows she's not going to act that way in when you become in a relationship you know he's going to stop sucking in his stomach you know he's going to stop doing crunches you know she's going to stop acting like that once you become a part of a relationship and you're emotionally attached to each other or you have children or you live together. She knows that crap's going to stop. It's a loss leader if it's not real. Now, if you go to a store and they have a deal with Pepsi or whatever the product is, where they can actually sell the product for profit at that low price, they're not trying to trick you to come get that product and hope you buy other stuff. It's a real price. If it's a real discount store, it's a price that's going to be consistent. And that's what you want. You want the real price to be that. 
But if it's a lost leader, it's a manipulation. Now, in the case of this lady, she wasn't trying to manipulate me. She really was a sweet person. She really was a wonderful person. She really did look wonderful. She really did have delicious buttocks. She really was those things. So it wasn't a, a lost leader. It was just, I'm just using that as an analogy. It's just like what I saw right there made me go in there. It made me go into the store, meaning her life. It made me go in there and investigate. And when I looked at the products, I went, decent products, wonderful products, just not for me. So I still go to her store, meaning hang around with her. I still drink the Pepsis at the discount price. I still buy them. I still spend time with her when I run across. I still hang out with her. But I don't go into the store anymore. I don't have those thoughts of shopping for her products or grabbing her cans and putting them in my cart. I don't think that way anymore because I know we're not compatible. (laughs) That's the funny part. You know what, let me just stop this whole thing. The whole thing I'm trying to get apart, the whole thing I'm trying to get to people to, to, to understand is when you investigate deeper into things, you realize <laughs> they're not what you thought they were. The sale to get you into the store is just to kind of pull you in and make you buy stuff. You know, sometimes you see somebody who looks awesome and they're not exactly what you thought they were. (laughs) I know now that before I get involved in anything, I always take an objective look and see whether or not this is something that I can deal with or want to deal with. And if it's not, it doesn't matter how wonderful the loss leader is, how wonderful the display product is, how wonderful that thing is. I know I don't go. I can just be cool and if I want to buy the soda that's on sale buy it (laughs) but there's no reason to walk around the store if I can look around and see if the products are there or something that I don't like you know what I'm saying don't you of course you do segment over hey guys I want to talk to you about something interesting pretty interesting here I'm actually sitting in my car right now Um, the location that I was recording before Let's just say it got a little got a little rowdy in there, so I had to move to another location after I recorded one of the segments. Um, this is what I was. This is the segment I was going to record before I got interrupted. Um, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I'm not ask you about, but I wanted to talk to you about. Um, do you know exactly what your breaking point is? Do you know what your breaking point is? Do you know what it is? Do you know if you have a breaking point? Did you know that? Hmm. Of course, you don't know. You never know. You only think you know, but you don't really know. And this is what I mean by that. If the pressure was applied to you, do you know where your weak spot is? And the reason I say this, it's like I didn't realize where my weak spots were until the pressure was applied. I didn't even realize I had weak spots until the pressure was applied. I didn't know. I had no idea. Say for the sake of argument, you have a, an older couple and they buy a vehicle and the vehicle has a weak spot in the axle. And if the right amount of pressure is applied, if the right amount of pressure is applied over an extended period of time, the axle breaks. But this is an older couple. They're an older couple. They're retired. They buy a new car. You know, they, 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 they don't put any wear and tear on the car. They just go back and forth. They go to their, their they go to their ah, they go to their, they visit their grandkids. They visit their kids. They drive back and forth to church. They go to the supermarket. They never drive on the freeway. They happen to be one of those people that actually lives in the neighborhood where the streets are okay. So the st- stress on the axle isn't really that great. Nothing really happens to the axle. It's not tested. So they don't even really know that there's a problem with the axle. How would they know? It's never been tested. It works fine. It's a new car. What's the problem? How could there be a problem with the axle, right? 
Now they get rid of the car. They said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this car now. You know, we're going to get another car. And they get another car. And they decide to sell that car because, you know, it's like we really want to have the money back. We know it depreciated. We, you know, it costs us 30 grand. We're going to get 17. If we sell it, we're going to sell the car. We're going to give it to somebody else. We're going to keep the money and do our thing and buy an older car and get rid of this thing. Because it was a nice to drive around it. But we, we don't really need to spend money like that on that. So what they do is they give the car. I'm sorry, sell the car to another couple they sell a car to a younger couple or a young guy or a young lady and that person buys the car but they drive differently than old people drive they drive differently than old people drive they take long trips okay they drive on rough terrain they do all that kind of stuff they do the kind of things that a young person will do to a car they don't take as good a care of a car as the old couple does they put wear and tear on that car they, mm, they drive let's do this let's do that and what happens bang axle breaks and they know it's not the old people's fault. They know it was structural damage, but they didn't know the damage was there. So how the hell could they have prepared for it? You can't prepare for your axle breaking on a car you just bought that was taken good care of by old people. What are you going to do? Right? Axle. You didn't know it was a structural problem. And I can tell you right now, I was just like that car. I didn't know there was a structural problem with self-esteem. I had no idea. Didn't know I didn't like myself that much. Couldn't tell. You couldn't tell from the outside I was one of those guys that was happy-go-lucky and having a great time. And the self-esteem thing and feeling bad about myself was never really tested because at 17, I picked up a microphone. And as a guy who always felt invisible back then, who always felt like he wasn't good enough back then, I picked up a microphone and I could stand on stage. And people that I didn't know, adults who were way older than I would, would sit there and listen to me talk and laugh and clap and applaud and want me to sign things when I walked out. I think it was great. Now, from 17 to 23, my career and everything was going, I didn't even have, really have any bad sets. I didn't really bomb that often. If it happened, it was so rare, it was like an aberration. It just doesn't happen that often to me, okay? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking at that time. And it goes on and on and on and on. And at 23, I decide I'm going to Los Angeles because I met a manager in a DC show who I was auditioning for another television program. Um, he threw me on that. I didn't get that show. Didn't think I was going to get it anyway because they were looking for something else. Um, they were looking for like a big burly guy. But I figured, what the hell? I'll give it a shot anyway. Stage time is stage time. I'm already here. I'm getting paid. What the hell? He says, come on out to L.A., I'm going to hook you up with some stuff. And he did hook me up with stuff when I got to L.A. So I go to Los Angeles. Now, at this point, from 17 to 23, everything was sailing along great. I got some national television. I was on radio programs. I was had a nice little following in the, in the, in the tri-state area, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey, and Delaware eventually, and Baltimore. People would come to see me. I mean, I didn't fill any clubs, but I mean, if there was a room full of people, if there was a if there was a comedy club, I guarantee you 15, 20, 30 people came to see me specifically that I didn't know. So it was great. I think it's going on good. So I'm going, this is just the foundation, man. I'm going to go to Los Angeles and I'm going to tear it up. Damn it. I'm going to I think I'll be there for about three months. And by that time, they'll have changed the name of it to S. Anthony uh, uh, S. Anthony Wood, because that's how long it'll take me to dominate in Los Angeles. It won't take long at all. And of course, the girls will be all on me because I'm incredible. <laughs> and I really thought that not as aggressively or as dickheadedly as I just said it. But you get the point. So I go out to Los Angeles and <laughs> it is not what I thought it was going to be. See, because where I came from, if you were good, you got work. It didn't, you know what I'm saying? If you were good, you got work. If the booker saw a tape of you getting standing ovations and everything's great and they're clapping and they're applauding and everything's great, you got booked. I would walk into a club, the guys, I would audition, step on the stage, 10 minutes, yeah, <laughs> And I would get booked. He'd walk me into the office, pull out his date book. Okay, uh, what do you want? This, that. And I would get the bookings. That's how it works in the real world. So my structural integrity, the rejection that will go along with me thinking that I wasn't good enough, that never got tested. That axle had that weak spot, but it was not tested. Every road was smooth. I could get in any club I wanted to. I could show up at clubs and people would ask me to go on. People had radio shows. You want to come on? Yeah, sure. I could go on to somebody's radio show if I wanted to. Local television, they would have, they would come out. And I had all of that stuff. It was easy, man. I didn't even really have to rehearse that hard. It was easy. 
Now, most most people will be wise enough to go, yes, it's easy for you, but don't you want to find out how good you can be? I mean, if people that were the best in the world at what they did worked hard, who are you to not work hard just because you are in the top 1% of the ability of people that are doing this job? <laughs> it's kind of hard when you're getting a B plus without trying to talk somebody to talk to you and to bust your ass for an A. It's like, I already get a B plus without trying. So now you have a little bit of the arrogance that builds up the pressure on that weak spot. Weak spot hasn't snapped yet. You don't even know it's there. But the little bit of that arrogance of being good, the little bit of the arrogance of having show after show after show become successful. A little bit of arrogance is there and it just builds up the pressure. You don't realize what's going on. The pressure is building up. You don't know what's going on. You just know you're, the, you're great. Right? You're living in Philadelphia and girls see you on stage and all of a sudden they think you're the cutest and they're 24 years old and you're 18 and all of a sudden they want to get it on with you and you get it on with them. You wear a condom. You're not stupid, but you get it on with them and it's easy. You're so cute. You're so funny. Ha ha ha. Boom. Close off. You get it on with them. I'm not saying I was some kind of jumping on top of women every five seconds. I'm not that type of guy, but I know one thing I was getting it on with more women than the average guy was. Why? Because I was on stage and people were clapping and they, oh, it was awesome. But then I went to Los Angeles. And when I went to Los Angeles, what started to happen? It didn't matter how good I was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You see, being good is wonderful. But when you're in a city like Los Angeles and New York, and I spent a lot of time in New York back in the day also. When you're in those cities, being good is great, but everybody's good. So what? Nobody cares. You go to a comedy club, you get a standing ovation, and the club owner goes, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, all right, see you in three weeks. What? Uh, you don't have a, some dates for me? No, not yet. <laughs> and because quite frankly, when you get there, there's people with television programs. Not someone like you who may get a television program, but people that have television programs right now. And you're not one of them. A little more pressure is applied. Haxel hasn't broken yet. Nope. You don't know there's a problem. So, <laughs> so I started dating some ladies and, you know, it was really, really easy to get women's attention. And women thought I was the cutest thing in the world when I was in Philly and New Jersey. New but in Los Angeles, and this is not an indictment on the people of Los Angeles. This is more of an indictment on me, on my little, at the time, stupid ego thinking I was the, the thing. All of a sudden, people expected something of you, you know? You know, you present yourself as this, as this big deal, and they expect you to actually be this big deal. They expect you to have accomplished some stuff. And as it turns out, you're becoming. And you are carrying yourself like you have become already. No. And now, all of a sudden, the rejection starts to happen. Now, all of a sudden, instead of just being on stage and smiling and being cute and having cute girls come up to you, now, all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, and? And that kind of like, oh, what the hell? And then what started to happen, this is the other thing that happened, is you do showcases. And when people do showcases, showcases essentially are you step on the stage, they have bookers from, from book clubs, and usually it's mostly TV people or, or the assistants of TV people or casting people. And they're standing there watching the comedy show, and they pick some people to put them on a show or have them audition for a show. That's what you're there for. So I go on the stage, and I'm thinking... This is going to be pretty easy. I do good comedy. Not a problem. What's the problem? I step on stage. I make people laugh. That's what I do. So it was a packed house. There's people lined up in the table in front of everybody else. And what do they do? They bring up the first guy. He does good. Bring up the second guy. Does good. Bring up the third guy. Does great. Bring up the fourth guy, fifth guy, sixth guy. Bring up S. Anthony. Ten minutes. Ridiculous amount of laughs. Standing fucking ovation. The standing ovation, my set was 10 minutes. The standing ovation was for two minutes. They had to tell them to sit down before they brought on the person after me. 
Now, if you're sitting on, if you're on stage doing your thing, there's people lined up at a table with notepads and the pictures, every pictures of all the performers, and it's this this network and that thing and this person and this and this movie and that agency and this and, that, and you get a two minute standing ovation after a ten minute performance when the people didn't know who you were. They just were coming in to see a show. There was no names outside. They didn't know who was on the showcase. They just knew it was a showcase for colleagues who were trying out for something. In Los Angeles, that happens all the time. They're kind of a jaded audience because they've seen everything. And in that context, 10-minute performance, two-minute standing ovation in front of bookers, in front of network people. Now, what do you think you're thinking at that point? Yes, I've had some disappointments and some of the relationships are turning to crap, but at least I got this stand-up, damn it, and, and, and everything will take care of itself. And I just did a showcase in front of network people and movie this and TV that and this, that, and agencies this, that, and the other, and it went great, and I did this, that, and this, and that, and this, and that. And nobody else got laughs like that on that particular show. And nobody got a standing ovation. Definitely not a two-minute standing ovation. Definitely not a two-minute standing ovation when they remembered hearing your name and started chanting it and were told, okay, okay, we need to continue the show. What do you think as the performer, what do you think you're thinking is going to happen after that? In your mind, you're thinking, ha-ha, this is awesome. I'll have a show by next week, and this is going to be great, and I'm going to be able to take care of my family, and I'm going to be able to do this, and you buy your mom this, and get you this, that, and this, and sister and brother, and this, that, and I'm be able to do sold out this, that, and the other. And you go home, and you just know it's going to happen. Now, at this point, you're working a regular job. But in your mind, as much as this regular job sucks, and regular jobs absolutely suck if you don't want to be there, if it's not what you want to do, you, you're floating around. Everything's great. What? Okay, your boss is an asshole. You knew that before. But now his assholishness or her assholishness doesn't really bother you as much. Why? Because you don't really need to be here. Within a certain amount of time, you're at least going to get to film a pilot episode. Which will lead to something else, right? I mean, you got a two-minute standing ovation. And they chanted your name. It's only a matter of time. Well, that was quite a while ago. And uh, nothing happened from that. In fact, they actually picked people that did okay. And a couple of guys that didn't do well at all. That came afterward. And that's when the axle broke. Boom! Both tires flat, bop, 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 driving along the road, crash into a pole. Not a fatal accident, just enough to fuck your car up. Obviously, I'm speaking metaphorically here. And it took me a long time to recover from that because I'm just using that as a description of several other occasions where things similar to that happened. Bad relationships, you know, infidelities not on my side, on the other side where I picked the wrong people. Showcase after showcase where you're getting these explosive responses and getting nothing out of it. And what does that make you feel like? You can't drive, metaphorically speaking, because your axle's broken. You're going, why am I even doing this? I mean, if I could perform like that and get this kind of response and nothing happens. And if I can date these people and think everything's cool. And this is what happens. If this is what relationships are going to be like. Maybe it was an aberration of what was happening back in Philadelphia. In New York, in New Jersey. Maybe that was an aberration. Maybe this is what my life is really going to be like. Maybe that was just a nice little moment. And every life has a nice little moment. You always, if you went to college, you remember those nice little moments you have in college. If you went to high school, you remember those nice little moments you had in high school. You remember those moments. You know you're never going to be able to live that again. You know you're never going to be able to live those moments again. It's never going to happen. And you know it. And I was afraid that that's what was happening to me. And I was like, oh my God. Maybe that's what my life is going to be like now. Maybe that's what is in store. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe. Oh, man. Oh, God. Is this, is this, is this what it's going to be like? Is this? Oh, man. Axel broken. <laughs> But what I realized 
from an artistic standpoint was that showcases in Los Angeles are not the same thing as getting us bookings in a regular city. See, in Los Angeles, really what you're doing on stage kind of matters, but it kind of doesn't. Insofar as they're looking for something specific. They're looking, they have a box here, and they got the square shape, the star shape, the rectangle shape, this shape, that shape. Now, you could be the best, the genius version of whatever shape you are, but if your shape is not on that specific box where they're trying to fill those specific holes, it really doesn't matter how good you are. It really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't mean you suck. It just means this particular occasion, this group of people, they're not looking for whatever you are, but eventually someone will. Or you could take your shape someplace else and you don't have to wait to fit into somebody else's box. You can build your own box. You can build your own toy chest and you can fit that thing in there and it'll fit in perfectly. Regarding the relationships, I realized, I, you know why I was, relationships are falling apart. You know why I was having such a bad time? I was going for the wrong type of person. I was going after women who wanted to be with the cute guy who was going to be something. They didn't like the cute guy who's a funny guy, who's nice to be with, who's smart, who's cute, who's fun to be with, who's loyal. They didn't care about that. They thought he's cute and he may have a show. And when they found out that I wasn't going to get the show, of course they dropped my punk ass. <laughs> because it was 20% me, 80% that. And if you take 80% of the motivation away from somebody and just leave 20%, they're the hell out of there. So that wasn't me. So no, that was not what it was going to, my life was going to be like. I was not going to be stuck with women who were horrible. I just had to pick women who weren't horrible. And most women are. I just had to stop going to that little sliver of women that are horrible. Like I just had to stay out of that lane. And I don't go in that lane anymore. I don't even acknowledge that lane's existence unless I'm referencing it in a podcast. <laughs> And I realized I was a good stand-up. I just wasn't what these particular people were looking for. They were looking for wacky characters to fit into an already existing program. When quite frankly, I should be building something around what I do. And that was the mistake I was making. And the second I realized that, that's when the blowtorch came out. That's when the car lift came out, and that's when I put the car on the lift, lifted it up, lined the axle back up, welded it back together, and made it stronger. Now you can't break it. And I put new tires on the car. Run flats. So even if something comes and punctures them, I'll still be able to get home and put another tire on and go about my business with no real big deal. <laughs> There's a part of me that wishes I could go back and talk to that guy and go, look, I just want to let you know you were a little full of yourself, not in, over, not in a really horrible way, because most of the stuff was internal. I wasn't acting like a dick to other people. It was what I was feeling inside. I just got to let you know, kid, listen, you are good, but you can be better and you need to put in more work Two, stop going for the flashy ladies who just want you because they think you're about to get a television program. Stay away from that. Find a lady that likes you for you. Three, enjoy stage time no matter what the circumstance. If you're auditioning for something, you're standing on stage making people laugh. Don't worry about the result because all you can ever do is step on stage, hold mic, tell stories, tell jokes, entertain them, make them laugh. If you're doing if you're in a stand up context, if you're doing a play or if you're doing, well, in my case, a podcast, you don't have to pump jokes. And sometimes you want to talk about serious stuff and just be entertaining and maybe informative. Just enjoy the process. All the other stuff takes care of itself. Don't take anything personally. Just do what you do, man. And by the way, before you take that rough road up there, put the car on the lift. Let me check that axle for you. Yeah, this axle's fucked up. You know what I need to do? I need to weld this so you can't break it. I really wish I could have done that. <laughs> it would have saved me a whole lot of time being miserable. It would have saved me a whole lot of time dating women I shouldn't have been dating in the first place. And I regret dating them. I don't regret having lots of sex with them because I'm not stupid. But I regret dating them because it was a kind of a waste of my time and theirs. Like I said, sometimes you have no idea that you have a structural defect until the pressure is applied. 
And luckily for myself, I had an opportunity after checking the axle to do a diagnostic of the whole system. Found a couple other weak spots, strengthened them up. And now I'm about to put the car back out on the road and I ain't got to worry about anything anymore. Self-assessment, my friends. That's the name of this. That's the name of the game. And that's uh, how I'm going about things. So if you if you break your axle. Don't do like I did and be bummed out for this extended period of time like a chump. Just put that bitch up on a lift. Weld that sucker back together and get your punk ass back out on the road. You dig? Ha! Course you do. You're listening to me and I know good stuff. <laughs> Segment over. Folks, let me ask you this. This is something that happens on a regular basis at one of the coffee. It's not well, it's not a coffee shop. It's actually a donut shop. I don't know why they call it a donut shop because the donuts are about 30% of what they sell. It's usually bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches, hamburgers, and cheese steaks, and crap like that is usually what they wind up selling. But it's called a donut shop, so I'm going to go with it. And it's run by a Cambodian family. A bunch of very attractive young ladies are out front, and you see a bunch of dudes in the back one dude works the grill. The rest of them are in the back. You kind of get the feeling they're watching the surveillance camera. And if you ever did anything, if you like grab one of the hands and says, hey, how you doing? There'd probably be about eight dudes come out and stab you in the face. Okay, but that's be- neither here nor there. One of the things that used to always cracks me up, and I guess it still, all- still cracks me up when I go there, is there's this old brother that goes in there and flirts with one particular girl there. She's about 19 years old. She's very cute. You know, and of course, she's a 19-year-old girl, so of course, she has a nice little body on her, just like anybody who's 19 years old who's working 14 hours a day lifting and moving stuff and running around. So he's always flirting with, hey, hey, how you doing, little mama, ha, ha, hey, and and the funny thing about it is, he's an old guy, but he flirts the same way an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old boy flirts, and it's downright embarrassing to watch. You know what I'm saying? Because 11-year-old boys and 12-year-old boys and 13-year-old boys, when they're trying to flirt with girls of their own age or anybody, they think that hitting each other on the back, throwing stuff, uh, insults, or being mean to the girl, anything to get the girl's attention is actually going to have the girl go, you know what, now that you threw some stuff and put gum in my hair and tripped me and knocked my books out of my hand, I decided, even though we're only 13 years old, I want to spend the rest of the year as your girlfriend. That's what they're thinking. And in some cases it works because people are stupid. But this guy's flirting like a 13-year-old boy and the girl behind the counter, first of all, even if somehow he actually had good flirting techniques, it wouldn't work because he's a hundred and she's nineteen, and she would not be interested. And watching this, it's like when I see him coming to the donut shop, I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm hope I'm hoping, please let my green tea be done quickly. Please let my green tea be done quickly because I don't want to see this embarrassment. Oh God, here he comes. And you can see her acting like she's doing something so she doesn't have to go to the counter, hoping that one of the other ladies will go to the, to the counter. But you see the other ladies walk up, look at him, look at her, look at him, look at her, laugh, and then walk right into the back. And then she looks at the other ladies as if to say, you dirty bastards. All you had to do was give this jackass his stupid coffee and his one donut and he'd be the hell out of here and I'd be home free. Now I gotta sit there and watch this chump doing his embarrassing 1940s era flirting and I don't even lie. I wouldn't even have liked that bastard when he was young. How can I help you? Hey girl, you can help me. You can marry me, girl. And all that kind of embarrassing crap and you're sitting there watching it. And it's sickening. And I'm looking at the guy. And he looks over at me as if to say, hey, that's how it's done, young young fella. And I'm looking at him like, first of all, no, it's not. I'm too old from her. And I'm, ha- and I'm half your age. In fact, I'm less than half your age. And I don't wouldn't flirt with her because she's too young for me. So good Lord, man. 
Don't you realize you have to go get extra strength Viagra? You can't even use regular Viagra. In fact, if you actually took an electron microscope and took a look at the, elect, uh, the, the, the active ingredients in the Viagra trying to activate themselves inside your body. You ever seen the movie Superman with Christopher Reeve when he dived into the ground when, the, when, the, when there was an earthquake and you could see him struggling to lift up the fault line in the original Superman movie? Well, if you didn't see the original Superman movie, I just described what happened anyway it was a struggle to get that fault line to go back up even for superman and that's probably what the active ingredients of viagra would be like in your body they would struggle to get to the point where they can make you effective not that i'm having a problem with that if you need viagra use viagra but i wouldn't waste viagra because there's no place in the world you're going to get to use the viagra because you may be at a full staff you may have an erection that lasts for four hours but if you did have an erection that lasts for four hours she would find a way to stay away from your punk ass for five hours yeah i said it so he's continuing to flirt with the girl and she's looking at him and you can tell she he, he, you can tell she wants to take that hot coffee and splash him in the face with the crap but she's too nice a lady and he goes and he's always trying to grab her hand and shake her hand you know and she's I'm literally she's literally almost at the point where she's going to start throwing the donut at the bastard when he comes in hi i know what you want you want donut flang and you want some of this coffee flang in fact, she might give me a dollar to hand it to him. And I take the dollar and say, okay, now take the dollar back and get me a coffee. It would be worth it. But then again, I might have to touch the greasy bastard. Never mind. I just want my stuff. Anyway, so this dopey bastard leaves the donut shop having humiliated himself. And of course, he looks back at her as he left like, <laughs> I did it again. Yeah, you did it again. You'd be less embarrassing if you pissed on yourself as you walked out. Get out, punk. Anyway, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about was the next guy that came in. And I'm sitting there going, why is this green tea taking so long? It's been like five six minutes and i haven't got my green tea it's a tea bag and some hot water probably took so long because they knew this punk ass was coming they probably saw him on the camera they probably have a dirty old man is coming camera they go here he comes hiding the back but what about s anthony's green tea he's gonna have to wait <laughs> anyway so this other guy comes in, and he's, a, he's an older guy also, but not as old as that other guy, but older than me, maybe 20 years older than me. So he walks in, and he's talking to the girl, and he's not really flirting. He's, I, mean, I guess he's kind of flirting, maybe kind of relating. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but it's one of those things where the lady has a Cambodian accent. She understands English perfectly. You do not have to speak slowly. She understands the, the, the complex versions of, of English. No, she, she doesn't get confused with you know, those little tricks in the English language where if, it, if you're learning the English language, certain words and phrases will confuse you. Well, she's beyond that point for the most part, you know. I mean, I remember one guy walked in and said, hey, girl, you really put your foot in this in this uh, in this sandwich. Now, that's an old term that my grandfather and grandmother used to use. You really put your foot in it. And what that really meant was you really did a fantastic job on it. I don't know the derivation of the phrase. I don't even know if I want to know the derivation of a phrase. All I know is there were lots of toenails in my sandwiches when I was at my grandmother's house. And I think I understand what the hell happened now. Just kidding. There were no toenails in my sandwiches. <laughs> mm, was that a toenail? Yeah, anyway. But that's what that phrase meant. She didn't understand that. But most people don't use that phrase anyway. So she understands the language. Okay. So he walks in and now he's, she goes, she goes to him. Hey, what you need? And instead of going, well, what I would like to have is he goes, oh, what I need? What do, no, what do, hey, how come you don't work right now? How come you talk so, walk so slow? How come he's doing these really bad impression of her accent? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the guy like, what are you doing? What the hell? And I didn't think that he was being a, okay, yeah, he was being a bit of a dick. He wasn't, he had a smile on his face when he did it, and he thought he was being charming. But let me ask you a question. Say for the sake of argument, this was now his donut shop, and he was behind a counter, and some white dude walked in, and he said, how can I help you? You can help me by giving me five on the black hand side. Oh, I like the way he gave me that handshake, my brother. You got soul. And then he takes a pick out of his hair and sticks it in his white guy hair and puts his fist up and says, power to the people. And what about that Pam Greer movie? She got some juicy big old titties, don't you? I love 
of her big brown titties. I wish I had that soul sister in my house. All right, all right. Now, if some white guy walked in and did that, or some guy of any other ethnicity other than black had come in and done something like that, he would have probably walked around the counter, put on his his, his old war helmet, and tried to kill the bastard. But, oh, wait a minute, man, I'm just trying to relate. I'm just trying to relate to you. I walked in and I saw who you were. I heard, understood you talk with a little bit of an accent, and I'm doing a bastardized, bastardized version of the accent you were doing. Why are you so upset? It's not like you would do that to somebody else right <laughs> he wouldn't like that it was another situation where he's going, and what you do why you with my sandwich with my coffee with my door I'm like, and i'm looking at the guy like and i think my face said something i didn't say anything to him but i think my face said something to him because i looked over at him like and i know my face must have said will you stop being a dick these are nice people. They've been in the business for a long time. They've been in the neighborhood for a long time. This is a lady who came from Cambodia with her family. She's running a successful business with a regular clientele because of the quality of the food and service. She's running a business in her second country, in her second language, and she's successful at it. She, in good faith, was trying to give you an opportunity to make a purchase of a product you obviously like or you wouldn't have come in. She didn't come at you with some stupid accent. She didn't say, hey, what's up, my nigga? She didn't do that. It would have been hilarious had she done that. Well, not necessarily to me. Okay, it would have been funny to me. Now, I would have that would have been one situation where I would have overlooked someone saying that, and I would have walked outside and laughed at the guy as he stood there fuming. But that's the thing I never understood. Stop doing imitations of other people's accents. If you, if you, I mean, if it's your job, if you, if you, uh, if you teach accents in Hollywood or something like that, fine. But you're not fitting in with the person when you're doing a really bad impression of their accent back to them. They think you're a douchebag. I'm telling you that right now. It happens to me a lot. I have guy friends that are mine that are white guy friends that are either new friends or friends I had for 20 years. And they throw a little of that crap in there, but I understand who they are. We're friends. We break each other's stones. And also, I tend to, I don't, I don't really sound like that anyway, but we break each other's stones. I break their stones about their ethnicity. They break my stones about my ethnicity. We've been friends for 20 years. We can do that. We know each other. We know that I, he knows that I'm not racist and bigoted. I know he's not racist and bigoted. So when we smash each other with these jokes and these imitations of each other it's okay we know each other now if you were to take the friendship of two decades away and i walked up to my irish friend lucky charms he'd beat the shit out of me and if he walked up hey hey want some watermelon some chicken nigga i'd drop kick his punk ass but he wouldn't do that and i wouldn't do that now we may do that shit to each other now because we know each other for 20 years and we have to it's our job as dudes who've been friends for a long period of time to crush each other's metaphorically speaking break each other's balls on a regular basis but we wouldn't do that crap if we didn't know each other now had this guy been coming to that store and he knew this lady personally and they were personal friends or something something that could probably never happen but if that was the case of course you can you know you can break her ovaries and she can break your balls not a problem i've actually seen this lady with people who were in the who had come to the store for years and years give her a hard time and she's laughing i saw a guy a lady walked in and was cursing at her and i thought the lady was mad but the lady behind the counter was laughing and then when i started to pay close attention to what the lady was saying it was obvious that the lady was joking and then the lady behind the counter she you know broke her ball well, well they didn't have balls they have ovaries they cracked they broke each other's ovaries back and forth there was two people that she had been a customer for six seven years they knew each other you know she was to the point but she would literally just begin walking across the street and the lady would just behind the counter would put her hand up and then she would put her hand up and she knew exactly what she wanted she had permission to break that lady's ovaries and that lady behind the counter had permission to break her ovaries she even did a bad imitation of the lady's accent behind the counter and the lady behind the counter did a bad imitation of her and she was black by the way the, the black chicks count they, they did imitations of each, they knew each other so it was okay for them to crack each other's ovaries but if you don't know somebody you don't do that don't do it 
if you know a black dude and you just met him, please don't do any complicated handshakes. I will speak for most black people. We don't do complicated handshakes. We literally just do that in front of y'all to see if you see if the guy does that stupid shit we just did. Okay, we do not do that. <laughs> you know, everybody has complicated handshakes now, right? You know, everybody, it's the sporting environment. You watch sports, and let's be honest, the, the, the guys on ESPN try to sound like black guys light. We know that. Why? Because 90% of the damn athletes are black, and you start to sound like the people that you're around. So what I'm saying is, if you don't have that relationship, please don't assume. When I had my dreadlocks, I had dreadlocks down, to my, down my back when I was in my 20s. You know, and it was annoying. And I talked about it earlier on in the podcast, like white dudes in business suits would come up to me and strike up conversations. And you can tell when someone is legitimately striking up a conversation because you're two human beings sharing the same space and you're talking. You know the difference between that and someone who's leading up to something because the conversation is, is complete horseshit leading up to something that they really want to say. So, uh, how's the weather out there? You mean outside where you are also? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess I'm out here too, huh? <laughs> yeah, boy, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. If someone ever says, boy, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. If those words, first of all, there's no reason to ever say those words in that sequence. And if they ever say those words in that sequence, whatever's coming after that is probably going to unintentionally insult you in some way. Boy, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. Uh, you know I can get some weed, man. What? Some weed. I mean, I see the dress. I was wondering, you know, hey man, clot, bamba clot. Dude, I'm from Philly, man. I don't even smoke cigarettes. I don't drink alcohol. Why the fuck would you just assume? Oh, because the dreads. You think everybody with dreads is? Oh no, I was just saying. I, was, yeah, I know what you were saying, dude. But come on, man. Right. I didn't walk up to you and stereotype you. Did I just, I walk up to you and say, hey, do you have any stock tips? Do you have any fake stock tips? Do you have any insider trading tips that you can use to destroy a, a person's family by selling them bullshit stocks for your own benefit? And then the guy says, as a matter of fact, actually, I do. I feel so bad about thinking that you have dreads. Here's some inside stock tips that you can use. Now, granted, you're going to make a lot of money, but you will be ruining some old people. And I said, I don't want those stock tips, you sick bastard. And I don't know where I can get you some weed. Now that guy across the street over there with the dreads, that motherfucker knows where the weed is. I personally don't, but I know he. <laughs> uh, that's mostly not true. Now listen. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, it was, it was just kind of really weird to. I like observing people. I like observing people. You know, not just because uh, it helps me with stand up and podcasting and all that kind of stuff. I just find people fascinating, man. I find people fascinating, man. I mean, the more that's why my f group of friends is so damn diverse. I just find people fascinating and cool, man. You know, just like you bastards that listen to this crap. The stuff that, that you know, when you guys write nice stuff to me, it's, it's always it's always good to hear from you weird bastards, whether it be via Twitter or Facebook or um, not necessarily Tumblr. Yeah, a couple of you written me on Tumblr and said some nice stuff. I appreciate, but and you know who you, and that lady that said, "Oh, keep it coming." I'm not going to use your name because you asked me not to, but I told you, you know who you are. You're a sister. You are yummy. Um, by the way, if you're taking, if you're not seeing anybody, I just want to say for the second sake of argument, that was a platonic yummy because <laughs> I don't want to get my ass whipped just by saying something nice to someone. But thank you for the compliment. But I, I and then I noticed that the group of the people that listen to this crap are, are is a diverse group of people too. You know, and I think that's a testament to uh, your open mindedness. It's a testament to my incredible genius. <laughs> Just go with me on this. Shut up. But let's let's just be honest here. Doesn't the world just work better when everybody just accepts people for who they are and doesn't look down on other people? Or maybe, they, you know, isn't it better when we try to relate to each other? as human? Like, say for the sake of argument, I meet. Like, I, I go to the same place. I see the same Cambodian ladies that this dude sees. It's the same store. One guy is trying to get laid and jump on top of a 19-year-old girl who will never give him any delicious products. And this other guy always goes to the same lady and does the really bad Cambodian accent. And please be spitting in his coffee. Please spit in that bastard's coffee. 
When I walk and I talk to them, I just talk, hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? You want green tea, don't you? Yeah, of course you know I want green tea. I want green tea all the time. I should give you, I should, I should just, I should just give you regular tea and not say anything. I go, if you ever give me regular tea and not say anything, you know what I'm going to do? Drink it. And then I'm going to be upset. And then I'm going to go out and get that old dude back and tell him you want him bad. Oh, no, not him. <laughs> I actually did that to her once. She said, I'm going to put, I'm going to give you real tea. You always drink tea. You never drink regular tea. I'm going to give you real tea and I'm not going to say anything. And then you're going to, and I say, yeah, I'm going to get that old guy on your ass. But I talk like regular human beings to everybody. I mean, we're there from Cambodia. I'm originally from Philadelphia. You know, I don't expect somebody to come up to me with a Rocky accent. Hey, boy, I understand you're from Philadelphia. And I'm going to go, yes, I am from Philadelphia. But do you do realize that um, most people in Philadelphia don't have Italian accents. It's definitely not stereotypical Italian accents. I mean, Rocky just happened to be a movie about a guy from Philadelphia who happened to be Italian and have that accent. That doesn't mean that everybody from Philadelphia sounds like that. You see, I'm from Philadelphia, and I don't sound like that. None of my friends sound like that. 90% of the people I know don't sound like that. The other 10 sound exactly like that. Shout out to my homeboys in the South Philly. You know, damn well, you sound like that. You're going to call me after this podcast. Yo, ass, what are you talking about? I don't sound like that. Yes, you do. And by the way, you're probably going, ass, didn't you just say not to do accents? It's insulting. Those are personal friends of mine who I know will be listening to this as soon as it comes out. And as I said before in many podcasts before, and in this one, if you're dudes and your friends, it's your job to break each other's balls as hard as possible. Friends in South Philly who you know who you're listening to this shit right now, you know you're listening, consider your balls broken, you bastards. And I'll see your punk ass this Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's between me and them podcast audience, you didn't need to hear that. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, folks, let's just all... Relate to each other without doing bad impressions of each other. Let's just let's just hang out and be cool, man. Right? Doesn't the world work better when we're cool to each other and deal with each other in the in the most respectful way possible? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be, huh? Hey, I asked you bastards a questions. Oh, I mean, um, you guys. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to call you bastards. <laughs> Segment over. Okay, folks, that has been this episode of the S. Anthony Says Podcast. I want to thank you guys very, very much for, as always, stopping by and spending this time with me. Now, just, just for the new listeners, uh, usually it's usually it's comedy, but this podcast, I, I, it's kind of, it's a combination of comedy sometimes. Sometimes I'll tell true-to-life stories. Sometimes we'll talk about politics. It's never going to be one thing, because I, I, I believe as human beings, we're never just one thing. We're more complicated than that. So sometimes I'm going to make you laugh. Sometimes I'm going to make you think about some things. Sometimes I'm just going to be an interesting guy telling interesting stories. Just to give you a heads up if you're a new listener to the podcast. Now, for those of you that love this podcast, and how could you not, do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter at, at @santhonythomas or follow the, uh, the, the Twitter feed for the podcast specifically, which is at @santhonysays. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to do so. The email address is the S. Anthony says podcast at gmail.com. Well, I'll say it again because I just flubbed and I'm not editing, editing the flub out because I'm a real man. The S. Anthony says podcast at gmail.com. Now, I know we already know what the podcast email is. We've been using it all this time. How are you going to keep keep saying the, the name of the, po- the podcast email like we don't know? I'll stop sending me emails to tell me you know what the, the email address is. I know you know what the email address is because you sent me emails, damn it. <laughs> but there's other people that, man, there's new people coming along all the time to listen to the podcast. And maybe they don't know what the email address is, okay? Stop giving me a hard time. I know it's in good natured fun that you're giving me a hard time. I know that because you've been listening to me for a while, you feel free to playfully, joyfully, and in a friendly type way break my balls. Well, I'm breaking yours back, you bastard. I'm blocking you. Okay, I'm not going to block you because you usually say nice stuff, and every once in a while you break my balls. You know who you are. But that's okay. I still love you. And obviously, judging by what you write to me, you sick bastards love me too. And I don't blame you. In all seriousness, thank you once again. Thank you very, very much, very, very much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for sending the kind email. Thanks for the tweets and the tumblers and the Facebooks and all of that crap. We said the good stuff. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you weirdos next week because I look forward to seeing you weirdos every week. Why? Because my podcast audience is full of the coolest bastards and bastardettes on the planet. Yeah, that's right. I said it. See you next week, my brothers and sisters. S. Anthony Alta.